Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Cod Pod, Pod, oh, Hello, and welcome to arguably the world's most infrequent rugby podcast. <laughs> we are Mall Over. We've been around for a little while, um, but we've not recorded since well before Christmas because, as a group of rugby lovers, we have fallen out of love with the game. This week, I am joined by uh, the still the nicest man in Cornish rugby podcasting, Ben Eustace. How you doing, Ben? Yeah, just in, more infrequently nice now. I can't imagine. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Can you be an infre- infrequently nice to anybody, Ben? I can imagine you being, well, if I know, you're just nice to everyone all the time. Yeah, but, you know, recorded. Yes, Not, yeah, 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 recorded chat. <laughs> and, and somebody who, um, to me anyway, is not ever nice. Um, <laughs> everyone's favourite, everyone's favourite um, South Asian cameraman, the Chinese lensman, Dougie Andrews, how are you doing? Now then, how are we doing? Good, mate, how are you? I'm doing all right. Good, I'm glad. How, uh, obviously, it was Christmas and New Year, you spent your time at, one of your favourite places, the Ali Pali, all over Ali Christmas Pally, and New mate. Year. Sixteen days. Sixteen days. Absolute money spinner for the lad. Um, what an atmosphere, though. I mean, that fine. Were you were you obviously working on the final, right? I was. Yeah, I was uh, one of six people on the stage. I have never. I, I mean, I don't. Re- I've not really followed darts, and and I watched the World Champs and stuff. I have never heard a noise through my television like that on that final that that leg the nine the double nine data leg was one of the most incredible things i've ever seen yeah it's pretty special pretty special even for us working there um for various reasons a couple of which i won't go into right now um but yeah very very good fun and um we have a stay and when we're working on the on the darts feels a bit niney Feels a bit. Uh, did you did it feel a bit ninety in the final? Felt that whole match just felt a bit ninety. Oh mate, imagine. I mean, obviously you can't get two nine darters in one leg, clearly because one person would have won it. Um, but the fact that he missed that double twelve and then Smith went and got it straight away, it was just absolute madness. But what Delicious. a final! What 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 a and you know what a pair of, what a pair of athletes. Um. <laughs> Which, but talking about the darts it does lead me on to something doug and it's not the sole reason for this podcast um to let people know that we are still alive just we're not quite rotting carcass yet but um you sent a lovely it was a lovely email to the egg chasers um a lot to do with the darts actually leaning into what it's all about you know creating an identity and really running with it and, and embracing the fans they have and actively trying to encourage new people in, um, which seems to be the exact opposite of, of rugby. Yeah. It just, it just struck me that, you know, I was there for 16 nights, all 16 nights were sold out fans from all over Europe, which was, it gets more apparent the later into the tournament you go, because it stops being Christmas parties and it, you know, it stops being lads on the piss and, and, Lads come over from Holland, Germany, all over the world to watch that sport. And I was sat there watching it thinking, what has rugby done wrong? 
And why has rugby gone so wrong when a sport that, and it is a sport, which shouldn't really be interesting. In fact, it's not a lot of the time, but the engagement it has with the public is just incredible. And I listen to the, you know, I listen to the Egg Chasers and I have, I've listened to every single minute of every single podcast of the Egg Chasers. So um, I, I just felt compelled to sort of write to them and, and say, and now I could have, you know, not big time in it, but I could have just picked up the phone and called Tim and said, look, this is, listen to the pod. I thought this or text him or whatever, but you know, I'm a listener to that podcast. I'm a fan of that podcast. So I wanted to interact as a fan rather than as a, an acquaintance. Yeah. And, um, and rightly so. It, to me, rugby could do a lot worse than look at that. They want to look at the NFL and, and all that kind of stuff and, and take their inspiration from there. But if you look a bit closer to home at, at, at the darts, I think there's a lot, lot of lessons to be learned there. The players, the, the, the fans don't care that the players are overweight. They don't care that they might say some stupid things occasionally. You'll notice there was no real repercussions of the Gerwin Price episode where he... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We pulled the you know, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there would have been internally, but they didn't make a big fuss of it. They didn't want to sit down and have Gerwin Price in the studio on Sky, you know, groveling for forgiveness. Um, they want people to get lagered up as much as they say they don't and they fill their venues every every week and and like i said in the email rugby's just completely terrified of itself of its public image and it, it just doesn't care about people like you and me who miss the fights and the rucking and yeah the, and the boggy pitches and the crap grounds that fall to the gunnels yeah, where you, you know, could hear the stamping um, and the, the battering on the yeah, cow shed it, it just, stands. Yeah. It seems like every decision rugby's made to grow the game has backfired. And then something like darts, everything it does just works. They decided to go a couple of years ago to do the Premier League and they did two nights back to back in Holland and sold out a 16,000 seater arena every like both nights. They've done the same in Germany. They do Premier League all over the country. Blackpool, two weeks in Blackpool, sold out every night. Lean into what makes you special and what got the people who are interested in you interested in you and keep them. Keep them because by osmosis you'll grow. Yeah. Ben? Is, um, is Darts run by Eddie Hearn? It oh. is, yeah. Yeah. That's the that's part of the difference, isn't it? It's run by someone who's got a clue at how to do these things rather than a committee. Yeah. Yeah. Committee of yeah. people that are so far out of touch with what actually works. Um, and that are full of their own self-interest. I know, I know, like considering yeah. a, a committee of self-interested people are, you know, are ruining their own self-interest. Yeah, I know, I know like the RFU appoints people into different positions and stuff, but effectively it is an old committee, isn't it? And WIU is the same and, and, you know, neither of them are particularly well run. Well, absolutely. You could look at any rugby organisation, like Doug's already said, it's so scared of offending anybody or it's so scared of itself that it's unable to 
see the wood for the trees for a, for a better phrase. And never has there been a more finer or defining point of what you were just saying, Doug, about rugby being scared of itself than a, than a six week ban. And, you know, let, let's just move sort of on to this Joe Marler thing. Cause I think it was a fairly good, good place to do so of that. He called, he called Jake Heenan's mum a whore. What, what was essentially a, a playground insult in bad taste or whatever. I don't really care for Jake Heenan to then cry to the referee and, you know, say that he was my, Carl, he was talking about my mum and Carl Dixon to shake his head as if to say, Oh, I didn't hear anything. Well, you did Carl clearly, but you chose not to do anything about it. Not that there's anything in the rules of the, in the rules of the game, actually, what's he going to do? Penalize Joe Marler for unsportsmanlike conduct or whatever it might be because he called his, called his mum a a whore. Um, But then to be hauled in front of like the amount, where do I go with this? The amount of vitriol and chastation. Is that even a word? On Twitter. Uh, and it's, tw- it's, tri- it's, trial- it's trial by Twitter is what it is. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. And it wasn't, nobody would have done anything about it. Like the RFU, you know, Premier Rugby, whoever it was, will have done absolutely nothing about it. Unless all of these and, and I don't like, I don't necessarily like the phrase bedwetters, but they just m- moaned and moaned and moaned. Oh, something has to be done. This is disgraceful. There's no place for this in rugby. Let me tell you something. All of those people that have said there's no place for this in rugby have probably never set foot on a fucking rugby pitch. Because in our little um, uh, Twitter group, Jonesy quite rightly pointed out, if police, if self-policing within rugby, you know, was was still a thing, Marla would have had many, many slaps by now and he might have learned to shut his mouth a little bit. Yeah. All right? That's so true. But and he I hasn't. For, for saying that because it is the most true statement. Absolutely. And, and when did... ever been made in our group, probably. And when did <laughs> rugby... You know, rugby was very much, and people will say, oh, you're a fucking dinosaur, and, you you know, the world has changed, the game has changed. Rugby used to be basically about how how much could you hurt each other for 80 minutes, physically, mentally, verbally. You could say anything to anyone on a rugby pitch, ever. And nine times out of ten, if they didn't like it, you'd get a slap, and rightly so. And if you deserved a slap, you'd get one. And then the minute that whistle blew, you'd go through the tunnel, you'd shake everyone's hand, and then you'd all go and have a pint and it'd all be forgotten. So at what point did yeah. all of that get lost and someone have a little cry to a referee because his mum got called a whore? And then all of these do-gooders on Twitter just turn around and going, oh, he must be banned. And then the RFU actually banning him. It fucking beggars belief. And I'm not Joe Marler's biggest fan in any way, shape or form. But it just, I can't. Yeah, it's it's not um it's not an admirable thing to have said, and I think of course not. If, if we if we were all playing and one of our teammates said something like that, we might at the end of the game be like, oh come on, mate, that was a bit much. Um, but like you say, I it, wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Let me tell you, I, I played a football done. match once against a ginger bloke, and he said something to me, and I said, well, and it wasn't you, Russ. And <laughs> <laughs> I know we've all heard that. I story. said to him. 
listen, mate, you can kick me. You can do whatever you want to me all day. For as long as I live, my kids, my kids will never be fucking ginger. And he took real offense to it. And even in the moment, I was like, oh, that was probably a bit far. But I didn't didn't apologize. <laughs> so, like, there there is there is a line. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to think as a line. I personally, you know, and everyone's line will be slightly different. And I think that's where, I think that's where people need to understand that everybody's line of what is acceptable and what's not acceptable is slightly different. Um, I would I would draw the line at, you know, homophobia, racism, and all you know, proper hate speech on a pitch, but. Calling someone's mum a whore, well, you know, it is what it is at the end of the day. Like, yeah, I think I think people... he didn't. He Joe Marlon knows that Jake Heenan's mum isn't actually a whore. <laughs> I think some people were suggesting <laughs> well, I hope he on does. Twitter that he that he'd done some like he he'd he'd done some research as well. It's and like, seen that I, she was in hospital. I don't I don't think that's the case at all. But you know, like we said, he wouldn't probably have done it to Wade Dooley in 1990 correct um and, and you know that's been taken out of the game so it, it allows things like this to spill over but it you know it's it's the logical extension isn't it of what we i mean I, it probably was happening before but you know lions tour to new zealand you suddenly started to get refereeing decisions clipped up on twitter and everyone had an argument about it and now it's got as far as getting the ref mic involved and trying to split hairs on if the ref heard it and who the ref used to play for and oh. if Joe Marler's got, you know, what his internet search history is. I would imagine. I would imagine. I mean, Joe Marler's search Barbers, history obviously. would be, would be one of the most basic things you've ever seen. <laughs> it would just be a mixture of mixed characters where he's buttered it with his ham fists. Like that. Just, just cake and hair clippers. Yeah. And, and one raised eyebrow. Fucking egg. Anyway, that I mean, but that's that's just where where we are. That, that no, never has there been a greater example of how fucked rugby is at the moment than than that specific incident and the reaction to it. Because there has been, you can guarantee, probably in the Premiership this weekend, you can guarantee people have said much worse things to each other that maybe that wasn't picked up on the ref mic or. You know, just ever. But oh, it's Joe Marler. Oh, but Carl, Carl, my mum's in hospital in New Zealand. So what, mate? No one cares, Jake. <laughs> and then, and then, Lewita and all these Bristol fans going, "Oh, like he's this is disgraceful. This is just not right." Oh God. Fuck yeah, it. it does. It does boil the piss. Rating, and they and people yeah. wonder why why we as as actual rugby fans are so disenchanted with the whole thing because rugby isn't rugby anymore. It's not rugby at any level. It's just not the same. So, you know, that's, so there, so there, and, and, and that, you know, that's part of the reason, not the, that specific incident, but the say part of the reason why the other announcement in your email was, uh, would you retired us? Yeah, well, at the time, Russ, we were pretty terminally retired. I mean, we were we were on we, a break. We, yeah, well, you know, 
think we're at the Rocky Five stage at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> what? This is going to be a really shit podcast. <laughs> I I just uh, I think maybe I was a bit hasty in retiring us, Russ, but the point remains like rugby in the time since we started this podcast has gone from being probably the, the main sporting thing we watch on telly mm. to something that we spend no time watching whatsoever. And to be honest, if I didn't work on the sport, I wouldn't be watching it at all. No, it's, it used to be something you actively like, I used to actively seek rugby. I just sit there on a Friday night actively watch the Friday night game because I enjoyed it. Mm. I'd look to watch it on a Sunday afternoon. Saturdays would always be a little bit of a rarity because I'd be playing or, or doing something else. But but now, like over Christmas, there were games on. There was a random game on, on a Tuesday afternoon or something, wasn't there? On a bank or one of the bank holidays that was supposed to be the big games at Quinn's Bristol. And it was on ITV. It was supposed to be the one that was at Twickenham, but they, they knobbed it all off because of the, the train strikes. And uh, it, there was barely no, there was barely any advertisement. There was like, if you didn't, if you didn't stumble across it, you'd you'd struggle to know, um, struggle to know that it was on. I think, I think what you were saying, Russ, about the game changing. Um, I think it's it's a lot deeper than players calling each other names on the pitch. It's like the game's so stop start. You, you could you could, you always see, you know, it happens very regularly. A team. Wins a penalty, well, maybe there's a knock-on in a team's 22. They win a penalty from the scrum, kick to the halfway line. They get a scrum straight off the line out, kick into the 22, get a scrum straight off the line out, kick to the five metre and score a try. And no rugby's happened in that time. It's just watching a guy kick to touch four times. <laughs> yeah, um, like, kick touch and then out. And then a bit of rugby breaks out and suddenly you hear, oh, tempo, better go back and have a look at a bit of foul play two phases ago so they stopped the and game and you have a five minute break over and no arms tackle yeah. that may or may not have happened somewhere uh, so i think the, the product isn't at its best yeah. at the moment and you know there have been games like france south africa which were brilliant to watch but you you aren't going into a game expecting to see that um and and the, the premiership games a lot of them are managing to be quite high scoring without being entertaining yeah um no, and and, and also the premiership's been exposed as pretty low rent because two teams have gone bust and now you've got bye weeks everywhere. And, you know, so someone asked me the other day, they were like, oh, what's going on with Bath re-signing and on signing all these players? And it, it's like, well, those players know that Bath's owners actually genuinely got quite a lot of money. So they're, this where they're going to get paid. It's probably as much as anything. Yeah. Um, so, Yeah. It's tricky times. It is, it is a tricky time, but it's just it's just frustrating as a as a lover of the game. It's just hard to know where to go. Have you seen the new laws well, that have been brought in? The 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 new the the news advisory about like less involvement of the TMO and all that. Sort yeah, of thing. and like a scrum clock and a penalty. Oh, clock. they'll last a week and then they'll be chinned off again, like they always are. You know, all the all the good ideas get biffed off, don't they? I. We could get rid of the we could get rid of the, the 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 biggest joke of a rule, which is the held up over the line, yeah, dropout rule. Well, I'm I mean I actually think these laws as as a general package, I'm quite positive about them. 
not to ruin the theme of the podcast, but um, <laughs> with, with positivity. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to chill out a bit on deliberate knock-ons, which I think is a, is a good thing. Um, they're going to make it harder to just flop over the ball and steal it. Um, TMO involvement? Are they reducing TMO involvement? Is they're supposed to be, yeah, saying? cutting reliance on reviews. So, you know, it, it's supposed to be going back to clear and obvious. Well, I'm not sure that will happen. Well, like all, they, said, all, but... they need to, all they need to do with the TMO stuff is just tighten up what they can fucking get involved in. Exactly. I don't want to hear Brian Rose come over the ref mic when there's been a knock-on at the bottom of a ruck on the yeah. halfway line. Right, if the ref didn't exactly. see it, fucking let it go. Right, and the only time the TMO should come in is when they see legitimate foul play or the referee asks them to look at something. The yeah. what it says to me, I watch, I watch some of the Saracens Exeter game where Saracens absolutely marmalise Exeter. It would, it was almost beyond the joke, but the, the TMO made more. Um, more interventions than I think Maxwell Keys did, and he was on the field. <laughs> and yeah. there was there was one it, it instance where like he, that gave, sometimes. he gave he gave two or three knock ons in the midfield, and then right at the end of, of the first half, there was a line out to Saracens that was about five yards not straight. They caught it, drove over, and it was just given us a try. And it, it just makes no sense whatsoever. So if if the the TMO actually just shut up and spoke when spoken to that would actually allow the game to flow yeah i mean they're going to machine gun water carriers which i think is a good policy um, just as they come on just snipers <laughs> yeah. more than snipers. one they're just yeah. going to drill them yeah um so that's good news um, yeah, why are they can somebody explain why they're having water breaks in december yeah and what oh, why, it's a nonsense isn't it why they're just carrying two water bottles each when they come on but yeah um but yeah, so uh, teams not forming the line out quickly. It's going to lose the free kick. Scrum clock at 30 seconds. So, you know, you've been calling that for about five years now, Russ. So yeah. I am, you know, I think those those might all improve things a little bit. Hope um, so. And then they'll bring in the naval level yeah, tackle. Yeah, and, and then it's it completely off. dead. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll all be watching touch. Yeah. Cool. Um, right, cool, let's cool, move. Cool, cool, cool. Let's, I say, cool, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Let's move on. Um, since we last spoke, I think did we last speak soon after the South Africa debacle, after the Autumn Internationals? That's uh, we, probably the we, last one we did. We spoke a week before Eddie Jones got sacked, and then we right. we didn't bother after that. Well, yeah, uh, you know, as per process. We'll so about it now. Since since our last conversation, we have new, a new head coach. I believe until after the 2027 World Cup, he's contracted five years. Steve Borthwick. Any surprise with that, Ben? No, I don't think so. It, it would have been my choice, I think. Um, he, he, he's done a good job with Leicester. I think he's been lined up to be England coach since before he retired. Um and I think having someone like that in will do England good. I think he's, I think he's innovative without being like a mad scientist. Because I think, I think Eddie Jones. I mean, I'm not as down on him quite as I think you two will be. I think he did a good job for a long time. 
I think by the end, he was more interested in, in sort of trolling the rugby media than he was in, in winning games, you know, just weird decisions. And I think Borthwick will pre, be pre, a lot more sort of back to basics. I think, I think the best way for England to win is, play, is to play like an old school England team and, you know, be as, as solid as they can up front. Um, probably kick a reasonable amount and to, to just run straight and hard in the backs and, you know, find some flair if, if we've got it to put in the backs, but just have as gnarly a pack as we can find, really. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And, and you can look at what Borthwick did with Leicester. And the first thing he did was make them really, really hard to beat. You know, people yeah. say that Leicester kick the ball a lot. They're boring to watch. They're, they're you know, they're not... All, all accurate um, statements. Yeah, 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 yeah. They are. But I I don't care necessarily. I, I'm not one for like all black. I don't want to see England play like the All Blacks because we're not, we haven't got players to play like the All Blacks. We need to play the place to England's strengths and what I'd seen under Eddie Jones for the last 18 months at least is no real clear game plan no real sense of what they're trying to achieve in the way that they play what I think Borthwick will do first and foremost is create that identity again and if it is if it is a predominantly kick kick based game with hard running forwards then so be it but at least you can you can identify a game plan. At least you can, at least you can see what they're trying to achieve and the way they're trying to achieve it. And if that doesn't work, I'm sure that there'll be there'll be a second way to go. What what I've seen under Eddie Jones was just a mishmash of different styles and picking square pegs in in round holes. Um, and I think that the what Borthwick will do is is absolutely simplify all that but Doug what are your thoughts on the, the Borthwick Sinfield combination I like Sinfield I think Borthwick's just a little bit more I, th- I think we'll play pretty dour rugby maybe that will satisfy a lot of people I think we've missed a chance to um, really really change the way England rugby is perceived across the world and in this country as well, really, there's 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 coaches out there. Nick Evans, as we, as as we've discussed, I would have gone more attacking. I would have got Vesti involved. Um, I would have potentially. Well, there's talk. He still hasn't appointed an attack coach, and there is talk of Vesti yeah. still being involved. Yeah. I see why we've done it. It it does smack a little bit of um, recency bias. I mean, he's had one season in charge as a DOR. Admittedly, he won the premiership with Leicester, but they were riding the crest of, crest of a wave. And the, but then you've got people in the premiership who have been doing it for years that just were not even considered. And that feels very knee-jerky to me and, and not something that I think... Who would you say specifically? Like well, the likes ba- of Baxter. Baxter. Maybe Baxter, the, you know, he might have, um, turned it down, might have turned it down. or He or may not. well have turned it down. I mean, that's that that's absolutely 
absolutely true. Um, but for me, that that that's um, it. Just feels a little bit too flavor of the monthy and not really thought through. Okay. Because let's not forget, Leicester were not exactly tearing trees up this year, were they? No, no, they weren't. I mean, they have had a few a few injury issues, but yeah, you're right. I mean, no team other than other than Saracens, no team have really been sort of tearing it up this this season for what I thought you would call tearing it up. But I think looking looking around, if you look at sort of coaches kind of around the game at the moment, you look at Farrell, you look at Ogara, although obviously different in a in a club style. There's these new, the new, the younger wave of forty something coaches that do have that recency, that do have that relevancy, sort of edging out, um, edging out the older guys. Although you know Wales keep sucking Gatland dry, don't they? So I think they'll. You know, oh, that that's so regressive. Talk about regressive rugby. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, thank God that's Wales, and because I would have hated Gatland coming to be England coach. I know a lot of people wanted it, but absolutely not for me. Um, I like the I like the fact that they've got two young guys in there. I'm I'm I can't wait to see what Sinfield can bring, what Sinfield can offer. If he's anything like, um, if he can do with England anything like what Sean Edwards did with Wales and and has done. With France, I think it would be it will be superb. And if they do get someone like Sam Vesti, who, having watched Northampton a little bit in dispatches, just to sort of highlights it, they are playing. I watched some of the Quins. When did they play Quins on Sunday? I watched some of it, um, just a little bit, and they were absolutely scintillating in attack. And they've got, you know, Northampton haven't got what you would call. Absolute star backs, star names. I mean, you know, Dingwall's the captain there now. Am I right? Is that right? Dingwall. Yeah, they, they, and he's what they've fantastic. got is what's known as a salary cap efficient squad. Yeah, and and a really good, you know, it's a good all round team. A good like they're not they're not reliant on on star star names, and they they're just getting on, and they're well look they look well coached and well drilled. And it seems to be working, and they and they certainly made it work against against Harlequins. From what I saw at the weekend, they nearly put a fifty burger on them. I think very close. So um, it'd be interesting. I'm 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 looking forward to a, a new era. I'm I'm looking forward to to going on to a, a post match interview and not hearing the first words being, "Oh look, mate, look, yeah. mate, look, mate." Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking, looking for- forward to not having him anywhere near the England setup. Yeah. I'm looking forward to hopefully Owen Farrell playing 10 or no, not playing or that. not playing at all. But it's looking like Smith and Ford could be injured, isn't it? So, so I mean, so, so that's kind of decision made, isn't it? But it's funny. I, I don't get the, I just don't get the hate now for Marcus Smith. I thought, like he's still a fantastic I player. I've got no no hate for Marcus Smith. I, it just it's either him, it's either him or Farrell. 
you can't play them both. And and you know that that's it. And and Owen Farrell is not a twelve. He's a world class fly half. He's not. He's not even a good twelve. I don't think. So you know. There you go. Yeah, that would be that would be what I'd do as well, Russ. I think I'd play Farrell at ten at the moment. And and I would have you know when fit, I'd have Smith coming off the bench as an option. You can move things around. You can do with with someone like Smith on the bench. You you've actually got more. You've got more options. Like you could have Smith and a uh, a Malins type twenty three or a Daly or a or whatever. But you know, I don't think Eddie Jones. He, he was just like you say, Ben. In your opening bit, he was very much trolling the media. Um, most of the time trying to be uh, trying to be as controversial as possible. Um, right. Let's, let's wrap it up there. We've got four minutes for some, any other business, Doug, I'm sure you've been watching or have watched something on television that you're going to give a recommendation for, or uh, uh, you got any no, other business? Not, not, not right now, actually. I haven't, I haven't watched anything uh, new that I can, oh, well, no, Slow Horses season two on there. Uh... Apple. Okay. Slow horses. Yeah. Nice. You haven't got Apple TV, have you? So I, I, pointless. I might, I mean, no, probably not. I might have. Can't find it. Ben, well, I would it, highly recommend it. Anything from you? Um, no, not really, mate. I'll let you have for three minutes. I don't I don't I don't want three minutes. Um I've watched some terrible stuff on television. Um as, as Doug will probably know, I watched, uh, there was a series on Netflix called the recruit that was quite good. Um, get that. I'll tell you what not to watch that I watched over a, a couple of nights recently was treason. Um, that was also on Netflix. That was one of the most terrible miniseries I think I've ever seen. If you imagine, um, spooks, if you ordered it from wish, but I gave it two episodes and there was only five. So I, was, I felt like I was already committed. Why are you telling us about this? Just saying, I'm telling you, don't watch it. Oh, I see. Right. Fair. I'm giving you stuff not to watch. So you can give people good television reviews. Yeah. Um, and I will tell people what not well, to watch. Well, there's an idea for a pod. Russ's shit reviews. Russ's shit reviews. <laughs> I'll tell you what I also watched as well on Prime. Uh, Limitless with Chris Hemsworth. Have you seen that? So basically he, he carries out, it's six episodes of him carrying out challenges in an effort to um, gain longevity in his life. So there's a bit of science in it. It's a bit like a documentary. So there's, there's sciencey bits. There's him doing sort of weird challenges. Like he had to swim 200 meters in like an icy fjord and the benefits of cold water swimming and, and icy stuff. And then he had to do a, um, a high wire walk and the benefits of whatever it was, challenge, um, breathing and, and whatever it was. So, and the last bit was about growing old and it was quite, quite poignant. So it, watch it if you, you know, it's, it's a decent watch. Um, but yeah, that's it. There's, um, there's been some good stuff on the BBC recently. Um, there was, um, SAS Rogue Heroes, which you talked about, um, the English was really good with Emily Blunt, like a Western series. And um, Strike is always good. The um, J- J.K. Rowling 
crime thing. Is that the big um, Lynch thing? <laughs> Topical satire. Yeah. Little bit of politics. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Anyway, right, gents, it's been a pleasure. I'll probably uh, maybe talk in, in like a month because in a month it's the start of the Six Nations. So we'll see what happens then. I was telling Ben before, I'm taking Samuel to the England-Italy match, his first ever rugby match. I'm going to take him to Twickenham. So uh, hopefully we don't get pumped. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you a later. Few years, we'll hate rugby. Absolutely. Everybody, bit of pleasure. Go well. Podcast Network.